Because if you if you asked me a year ago what was happening, I wouldn't have known where it was going. So, you know, we're now, I know we've got a date. We've got all these fantastic people involved. Like we're on the rails. Like that's a good story, you know? This is the story of how Northern Ireland's air has been dangerously polluted for almost two decades. Who knew about it? And how a group of lawyers have banded together to make it stop. And there is no kind of FOMO as far as I'm concerned. I'm just delighted that it's going ahead after so many twists and turns. It's such a simple thing that is so egregiously wrong that it almost annoys me how difficult it was to get this thing to this moment. Welcome to Holding Our Breath, a special podcast miniseries from The Pills Project. Good morning. It's one month out from the court hearing. And that's Laura calling round to my house. Oh, you're so gorgeous. It's not mandatory for our member organisations to live around the corner from Pill staff, but sometimes it helps. She's meeting my rescue dog for the first time, and we're catching up over a cup of tea. And the countdown to the High Court hearing is not the only timeline that's being closely monitored at the moment. Yeah, we just don't know. Obviously, we're a few weeks off due date and we just don't know. Obviously, baby takes priority. But if I can be there, I will be there because I'm just so humbled. It's not control freakery in any way. I'm just aware that so many people have mobilised because I asked them to at the very start. Now, I am not a legal practitioner. So I've never actually been involved in a judicial review hearing live in court before. So I'm taking the opportunity of having Laura in my sitting room to ask my basic questions. Questions like, what actually happens on the day? I mean, I want to say it's going to be like a few good men. And we're all going to be screaming, you can't handle the truth. And there's going to be like some jaw-dropping evidence introduced at the last minute. And everybody's going to be like, <gasps> like, it's it's not that. It's not that. Um, it's all very predicted. Like, you know, we have an exchange of evidence that goes goes on for months and months and months beforehand a case where, you know, the department send us submissions, we send them submissions, we even set out our arguments in advance, you know, everything is done. This is just the public rehearsal of everything that's been said so far. There aren't any like witnesses, there's none of that stuff. It's it's not it's nothing like you would see in TV. It's it's a small court, for instance. And if there's a lot of interest, they move it to a bigger court. But generally it's quite a small court. It's very administrative. So it's all quite procedural. Suits or Ali McBeal, it is not. But on the day, it you know, there'll be, there'll be a bit of fuss in court, a bit, a bit of fuss outside court. I hope it'll be well attended. But our barristers will rehearse the arguments that we have made to date. And the department's barristers will rehearse their arguments and Nikki will get a say and everybody gets a say and the judge listens to it all and they makes a decision. It's as simple as that. Okay, before we rush through the doors of the Royal Courts of Justice, let's take a step back for the moment. This particular judicial review is looking into air quality in Northern Ireland 
and the government's failure to follow the existing law on emissions testing for the past 17 years. On first glance, this could just look like one court case happening on a small island in the Atlantic Ocean off the northwestern edge of Europe. But it is actually part of a rich tapestry of global climate action focused on legal solutions. All over the world, people seeking to protect our soil, air, water, they're increasingly adding legal tools to their activist toolkits, alongside the more traditional tactics of political advocacy, grassroots campaigning and public protest. And it's not just a pill's gut feeling that this is happening. In July 2023, the United Nations confirmed the scale of this trend. The Global Climate Litigation Report, put together by the UN's Environment Programme and Columbia University, shows that the number of climate-related cases before the courts globally has doubled in the last five years to over 2,000 cases. Going to court is becoming the go-to tool for environmental protesters who want to hold powerful governments and corporations to account. That same report also confirmed that the communities who are at higher risk of being negatively impacted by climate breakdown and those who are already suffering the results of our changed climate are at the forefront of this legal movement. It's often women, indigenous communities, children and young people who are driving this legal change forward. So you've got your climate litigation, which is constantly evolving. You know, it was initially brought in that very kind of staid environmental planning regime. And then it moved. When climate laws came in, it was brought under those type of climate laws. Now we've seen like human rights cases, the Portuguese uh, young people's case is going to court at the end of this month. One particularly powerful example of this is the Youth for Climate Justice case a historic legal action powered by six youth activists from Portugal. The voice you can hear is Sofia, one of the six applicants who are taking 32 European governments to the European Court of Human Rights for failing to protect the young people from the ever-increasing risks posed by climate change. That case will be heard in front of 17 judges in Strasbourg on the 27th of September. Maybe it's actually already happened by the time you listen to this episode. So the Northern Ireland air quality case is part of this vibrant movement that combines legal procedure with the expertise of local climate organisers, all in the name of the greater good, the public interest. Um, like this is fantastical legal stuff that's going on. Um, we've got cases where um, the company law mechanics around big polluters are being tested. Like what duty do they hold to their shareholders knowing that they are draining a finite resource and that that investment is not long term. Lots of complicated stuff going on. Lots of really clear stuff going on, but it's all happening. Um, and I think every case being brought should think about the wider context of 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 what what we're, we're trying to assert um and i hope this is just one of many in the future um and every case that's brought changes the dynamic of climate litigation um and you know we're at this point now globally where we're, we're seeing climate litigation as not just climate justice related like climate justice is social justice is 
is all of these things like it's all wrapped up together and that can make it hugely intimidating but also you know it, it feels like such a a place that any lawyer can get involved in um and if you know if we can plot through the periodic table of you know chemicals and air quality techy stuff as a collective group of lawyers then what else can we do you know where where else can we go what can we take next and that kind of optimism about you know yes what we're looking at is very stark and it's quite intimidating you know the threat of climate change feels really close especially at this moment in time um and sometimes you can feel quite despondent about what we can do about it but the fact that litigation like this exists is ramping up more of it's happening more of it is punching through at different levels you think well that's bound to be something you know and even if like (laughs) if it doesn't work or if we get a bad result the fact that it was brought in the first place makes you feel like you're doing something this case really matters it matters to laura you can hear it in her voice It matters to the team of barristers who care so much that they've been working for free for years. It matters to all of us in the Pills Project and the team at Nikki and all the experts and organisations who listened to our arguments, stuck with us through COVID and helped us over the past five years to make sure that this issue gets into court in the first place. Most of all, it matters to every single listener who's breathing in Northern Ireland's air. It isn't for me about cars, it's for me about clean air. It's about the air that children are breathing. Um, When we know that um, that it impacts on children more than adults, children are at a lower level. Babies in prams are at a very low level, much more closer to um, the exhaust fumes than adults. Cars are sitting outside and going slow outside primary schools, playgrounds. Um, it's about our, our children growing up where they can breathe clean air. That's for all of us to be concerned about. I'm not interested in cars. I'm interested in children and children being able to breathe. Well, this is one of the best cases in terms of exemplifying what we do. Um, we were there at the beginning in terms of providing uh, support through our pro bono register through the development of the case and supporting it with the fees for the experts report, the fees to lodge in court, then the costs and indemnity um, and ultimately then the provision of a solicitor uh, when the need arose. Um, So I think it's a fantastic case to demonstrate what we do and what we can offer but it's also a fantastic case to show what a collaborative approach in this human rights space can achieve and I think each and every one of us that's involved in the case be that you or me or Friends of the Earth or Nikki we all feel so energised by that and we all feel so supportive of each other and ultimately the end goal is not about any individual one of us but about achieving the, the right outcome. health danger it's a biodiversity health health danger like there are very obvious connections between diesel fumes and like chronic illness um and biodiversity loss 
you know, and you just think, so you've, you've held this spot for yourself as a government. You've insisted that we all get tested, but you're not carrying out the test and no one can actually get a fully compliant test now in, that, in, in the whole of Northern Ireland. So we're all just driving around potentially killing each other and the planet because you need to build some test centres. You know, the absurdity of it all just felt like that's something that just should be tackled that was crying out for tackling. And in terms of court, it had gone on, like at this stage, we're, we're talking about two decades now, 20 years worth of emissions, just unchecked. That's why court was the only action, because if the Children's Commissioner, who represents the statutory body responsible for representing young people in this country, can't get any motion from them, and Friends of the Earth and a big environmental NGO wades in, the public shaming of having the whole thing broadcast on TV in the Spotlight program um, if that doesn't change them then it, it has to be court do, do you know what I mean like what else can you do and that's frustrating because court's not easy it's not an easy route to take that is why we have supported this case because 17-year-olds in Northern Ireland should have been protected from breathing in these emissions for their entire lives. Because government departments should follow their own law and want to keep us all safe. Because we all deserve to breathe clean air. We all deserve better. And now we've reached the point in this mini-series where I don't know what happens next. Well, that's a question. I think we've been so focused on getting the case like off, up and running and being heard that the actual outcome of it. I mean, what we want is the reintroduction of testing. Like, it's as simple as that. Just do what you said you'd do 20 years ago. Just do it. Like, just do it. Or find a way to make it happen. Like, if you're not doing this very basic thing, and if you don't think that's important to do, then what else are you not doing? What faith should we have in you as government to do the big things? I think um, emotions as a solicitor are always tempered by, well, we haven't got the decision yet, so you can never get too excited. But certainly I feel optimistic in the sense that the court appreciates that this breach can't go on. And I would be hopeful that that will be remedied through this um through this case I mean we're unfortunately I don't think we're going to get tests reintroduced the week or two after the case finishes because obviously the judge is going to have to take time to consider um, all of the material and evidence that he has heard but I do think that we are moving towards the implementation or at least um, you know something before the court which assures the court and which ultimately assures the public that the department will, at some point in the not too distant future, have to comply with their statutory obligations. Just to see it and just to soak up that and that environment, you know, um, you know, the proceedings themselves will be very staid and and very controlled. Um, but it's the it's the fuss outside, you know. I think that we know now. We've been to enough of these types of cases, um, as pills and friends of the earth, you know. Um, it, it's the it's the outside bit, isn't it? That's that's really like 
goose bumping and just you know whenever you get people together and the press are there and you wonder how many people are going to be in the court and how many people are going to be listening online and you know all that stuff and yeah I just want to be there for that moment if I can I really hope you are (laughs) really hope you are Regardless of what evolves inside the courtroom on the 21st of September 2023, the Pills Project and Friends of the Earth know that this is just the start. There will be more work to do. There will be more climate campaigners that turn to the courts to scrutinise governments and impose accountability. There will be more legal professionals getting involved in this work recognising that continued climate breakdown will be so inextricably linked to every single facet of our lives and is such an existential threat that every lawyer will end up being a climate lawyer. It's far too important to stop. But I I just think that, you know, we're on the right side of history in tackling this type of case. And that, you know, my little daughter, um, when she grows up, I hope she'll look back and think that her mom and all her friends were kick-ass. Do you know what I mean? And that we did some really cool stuff. She might even feel the effects of it. Do you know what I mean? She might live a better life because of something that one of us did. All it takes is one case. Imagine if you were at the front of that case that reverberated around the world. Like, that drive and that kind of ability and, and that you know, prospect is something that's just oh, so tantalizing, isn't it, to get involved in. But what what would be really amazing over and above the reintroduction of testing would be vindication. It's that word that we've used throughout this discussion, like a declaration that the department is acting unlawfully. Now, that doesn't really have a lot of oomph beyond that. You know, they know they're acting unlawfully. We've told them, but for a court to say it would be fantastic because it stops that gaslighting. But as I said, we're not about vehicle testing law. What I want to see is some kind of recognition by the court that in not testing vehicles, they're also, the department is putting public health in jeopardy and biodiversity in jeopardy. They're breaching their duties right, left and centre. So any form of win would be hugely significant. You know, be it's, it's a classic, like you can argue what you want in court. It's a blunt instrument, it can only do so much. But the reverberations of it outside of court would be hugely significant. It would sustain a movement, I think, a legal movement, um, and would cause others to look for similar opportunities. And that's what we want. This is the start. What's next? We don't know. So, goodbye for now. Free, Laura. Great. Thank you so much. No problem. No problem. It was fun. Um, yeah.